Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Adam here again, uh, but today I'm joined with Nathan. Nathan, how you doing? Very good, mate. How are you? Yeah, we just talked about how it's Friday, but I, so I'm celebrating with a hot chocolate. Have you got anything more exciting going on? Uh, I've just had a Friday fish and chips, so... Okay, yeah. More exciting. <laughs> more exciting. Um, so, uh, after yesterday, I didn't think we could have any more sort of large-scale drama, but I feel like we've still had some. Yeah, I think uh, I think as a, as a group, it probably wasn't as dramatic as as, as yesterday, uh, which would have been hard to live up to anyway. To be fair, but yeah, we still had a bit of a shock on the cars, didn't we? But I, I think that the the three o'clock games were generally uh, dramatic. So um, we're, we're at a lovely position, unlike yesterday when Emma and I had watched the two same games. You <laughs> and I have watched different games, so we've watched all four of the games between us. So I watched Ghana Uruguay, which finished. Uh, Garden Nil Uruguay two, and you watched the shock. Yes. South Korea two, Portugal one. Yes. Now, I'm going to get the Portugal stats up in front of me. So Portugal obviously already qualified. Yep. Didn't didn't have much. So I'm going to look now. How much of a change did they make? So Ronaldo still played. Neves yeah, still Neves still played. Yeah. Cancelo still played. It was very much, um, I thought it was a bit of a mixed team. He'd sort of gone with regulars plus a few off the bench. So not a, not a total resting of everybody, which I found quite weird, actually. You know that Ronaldo's insisting that he plays, doesn't he? Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. he's, he he's there thinking he's, there's goals, there's games, there's records that he's after. Yeah. He, he's genuinely not interested in the World Cup. He's there for the Ronaldo show, isn't he? Yeah. Um so, but Portugal, that also Portugal won up very early on, right? Yeah, yeah, so uh, took the lead early. Um, good value for it, uh, good finish as well. Um, <clears throat> Ricardo Horta scores after five minutes, or in yes. the fifth minute, I should yeah. say. Um, and at that point, things are feeling kind of pedestrian. Yes, a little bit, yeah. You kind of thought, okay, you know... I wouldn't say I started worrying for South Korea, but I thought that's definitely not what they needed right now. No, um, they needed a very because we're saying about in terms of shocks. Emma and I previewed this. This is the one thing we didn't see. I thought that a second a second string Portugal team still would have had plenty to get past. Get past yeah. South Korea, and yeah. I see. I didn't. I obviously wasn't deeply tuned into the lineups as I just had to check now. But when they went one nil up early on, I thought, yeah, yeah, well, this is what I expected. Yeah, 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 definitely. It had that air about it of, yeah, okay, I'm not, I'm not shocked by this. But um, South Korea have done what a lot of teams have done in this tournament and just kind of hung in there a little bit. And 
stayed with them. You know, didn't yeah. didn't let them run away with it after you know. A team goes one 0 up in the first five minutes, and you think, "Oh, hang on a minute! If they if they want to put the foot down here, they can they can go and kind of do what they want." But you know, career hung in there, um, and then obviously they they grab the equaliser. Um, again, good move, tidy finish, and then you could sort of sense as the game that was going on that you could tell that Portugal were in the position that they were in in terms of they were already through, they were quite relaxed. They weren't. I wouldn't say through the game but they weren't exactly chasing a winner they were happy they, with the point they, they were happy to go they weren't putting their foot down a little bit like Spain last night when yeah. in, those, in those last seven minutes when all, the only thing that helped Germany was a Spain goal but did no, nothing for Spain they weren't really trying yeah yeah very much so yeah it was just not the ball around Keep and, that, and that must have happened for a long period of time because South Korea equalised in the 27th minute yeah um at this point in the, this is happening in the, I'm watching Uruguay, Ghana, and Uruguay have just gone 1-0 up. Yes. Um, yeah. So, simultaneously, that the, the South Korea can see Uruguay, and then at that point, are Uruguay going through? I think Uruguay are going through? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe that goal changes it. Um, I think... I'm trying to think how it how it ended up. Was it something like Uruguay, Uruguay missed out by one goal? So I think if South Korea no, were only two, drawing, I think, let's let's have a let's have a look. Uruguay, yeah, a goal, one goal for Uruguay. So that draw must have not been enough for them. Um, so yeah, at this point Uruguay going through. I mean, at this point yeah. Ur- Uruguay have already uh, should, should be said to not just over this. Uruguay have already conceded a penalty. Um, which um, Andre Ayo misses. Yes. Uh, in the twenty-first minute, from a a very sort of um, confusing bit of play, it's awarded by VAR. It's initially sort of given offside in the build-up. The goalkeeper brings down the Garden player, and then it's a very poor penalty. It um, seems to have been a theme in the group stages, that doesn't it? With penalties, did I haven't seen? I think there might have been one decent penalty in the group stages so far which is worrying considering penalties become a factor going forward yeah what I loved about this again after the last game is that because it was done by VAR and there's all sort of um, of like fuss around it is that it took forever like as soon as it was maybe even before it was awarded we had the because it's Uruguay the, the Guardian players were man marking the penalty spot which is a new a new development that I'm loving in football. That's brilliant, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that before, but that's fantastic. I like the idea of that. Yeah, um, and then, yeah, Uruguay score their first goal, and it's it's absolutely shambolic defending from um, from Ghana. Sort of the ball gets gets swung in, it comes across the box. Two two Ghanaian defenders swing swing like a boot at it as it, as it falls to Luis Suarez he takes it down shoots the keeper saves it but doesn't get anywhere near enough on it and it's just tapped in at the far post um, Uruguay oh, feeling oh. sorry I was going to say a real world club real world club classic goal <laughs> yeah it's a bit it's a bit scrappy and then I, I, I've, I commented in another group saying that Ghana were really living up to their um, worst ranked team in the tournament uh, defence <laughs> record with that that defending. Yeah. Um, 
Luis Suarez has his hand with the assist in the second goal as well as the ball comes across to him and he just loops it over and it's a lovely finish um, on his left foot uh, for the third goal. And this is only 36 minutes. So at this point, Uruguay two goals up. They're, they're feeling pretty pretty comfortable. Yeah. And that holds out for a little while, right? So you're saying that... It, I, The suggestion I get here is the game becomes quite pedestrian, maybe a bit slow. Very much so, yeah. A a combination of Portugal happy to settle for a point and South Korea looked a little bit leggy, if I'm honest. Um, Looked like they were struggling for a bit of creativity. I I genuinely couldn't see a goal coming, to be honest with you. I I, I couldn't see a goal either way coming. Um, And then, yeah, stoppage time. Um, it's a it's a, it's a it's a breakaway. Son gets the ball, and he has six Portugal players around him on the edge of the area, and he still manages to uh, nutmeg one of the defenders. And I think it was Huang, um, really good finish. You know, managed to get it out of his feet and just slot it past the keeper and cue pandemonium from the South Korean players. The subs ran straight across the pitch to the far corner. You know, they were all involved. It was a it was a very Japan esque kind of celebration, you know, everyone was involved, everyone was a winner. It's a lovely little I'm just just watching it now and you're right, like Son carries the ball at a good seventy yards. Yeah. And then just has the composure to sort of slip it through. That's almost like a um almost like a Diego Maradona against Belgium esque photo there, the amount of players between yeah. between Son and and what he's trying to do, but he just yeah he just nutmegs one of the defenders and it's a lovely little finish yeah 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 the comp- I think I think composure is something that's been missing a lot in this World Cup, um, especially in the final third. So for for Son to dig that out at such an important moment um, was a real piece of uh, skill really from from Son to to pull that out and and like you said the finish is very very tidy. You know, he doesn't uh, doesn't panic. He, he he just he knows what he needs to do. Slots it away, and then and then the panic and the the celebration <laughs> starts. <laughs> but from what then what I saw from when I was watching the like this the simulcast that I had going on on my screen is sort of like there was a good chunk of seven or eight minutes of injury time in the Uruguay game and and nothing in the very or very little in the the game you were watching. So I think there was some. It looked like there was uh, the the South Korea team in a in a in a sort of huddle round a phone. Yes, yeah, watch, yeah. Watching the Uruguay game because, like you said, a, a one Uruguay goal on goal difference put Uruguay through. Yeah, but they just couldn't. They couldn't get any composure in the second second half. Really, they they didn't have anyone near sort of the control over the play they did in in the first and just weren't. Weren't cutting edge enough. Suarez came off. He obviously doesn't really play ninety minutes anymore. They they did the the obligatory swap of him him for Cavani, but it just it it wasn't enough. And then we're left with, I think, what will be one of the the iconic images of this World Cup, which will be Luis Suarez in tears on the bench. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, which a lot a lot of people. I think there's a lot of Schadenfreude being taken in that. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. There's a, a lot of people who probably took a bit too much pleasure out of <laughs> Suarez crying on the bench. Um, but um, 
I mean, I, you I know. thought that a little bit about the Ghanaian players because there was a bit where, like, Ghana still, I think, two goals for Ghana and Ghana would qualify. Yeah, so it, 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 it when was, there was, it was sort possible. Of, when there was eight minutes added on, that's still, that's not a, we're not talking Manchester United in, in, in the, the Camp Nou in 1999. Yes. Like, yeah. eight, eight minutes, you've, you've got time, time to do that. And there was a bit where, the goalkeeper, it looked for initially like he was taking forever. And I was like, are you guys just doing this just to, just, <laughs> is, is it like, we? there's nothing we can do, but the one thing we can do is get revenge on you. I was um, just going to say, yeah. And I think it was, it was actually because uh, Garner were trying to make a substitution, but it just looked for a minute like he was just <laughs> absolutely shithousing them. <laughs> that would have been, that would have been fantastic, wouldn't it? But yeah. Um, so that was the afternoon. Then, so this we both got got good goals, good games and goals there. But this evening, you've gone for let's get it out of the way because it's less important. You went for Cameroon one, Brazil nil. Yes. Yep. Um, I know again that Brazil made some changes, but let's look and see how. I know. Yeah, they definitely uh, they mixed it up a lot. So the big, they probably they they had Danny Alves playing, made him captain. I think he's their oldest ever captain. Particularly uh, right back, there's um, a complete change of sort of the front four. So they've got uh, Martinelli, Gabriel Jesus, uh, Rodrigo, and and Anthony. Um, Fred still plays, but he's partnered with Fabinho instead of uh, Casemiro. Um, Alex Teller starting. Um, So it's quite um, Edison in goal. So it's quite a changed team. Yeah, very much so, yeah. Um, and it sounds like they played like a changed team. Very much so, yeah. Um, lacked uh, that swagger and cohesion and confidence of a team who have obviously played a few games together. Um, the things that stood out for me for, for Brazil, both good and bad, were, I mean, I'm an Arsenal fan, so I am massively biased, but Gabriel Martinelli was uh, an absolute handful on that left-hand side. Definitely brought his Arsenal form with him. He was fantastic, skinning players, getting to that byline, cutting the ball back. Yeah, um, I've I've long been a, uh, a Martinelli fan myself, so it's nice to see it. It's nice to see him sort of still be the player he he, he was after all of his injuries. Yeah, um, so he really does. Deserve, he's such a handful. I remember two or three years ago thinking Arsenal need to sell one of Abamyang or Lacazette because they need to make space for this kid. Yeah, yeah. And then here we are. They're both gone now, but that was yeah, that, yeah. That, that was then. So it's nice to see him getting his chance and kind of be proven right. But you're saying you're saying he looked lively. And he's looked. He's probably been the better of um, Brazil's attacking talent to have come off the bench in the games he has got on, right? Yeah, because yeah. a lot has been made of sort of the level of talent that Brazil have on the bench. Um, especially going forward, but they seem to, for me, when they come on, they seem to come on cold and just not really contribute. Yes, yeah, definitely. You can see that they would they would benefit from starting rather than coming on. They've not they've not really got an impact substitute, have they? You know, no. for all the talent on the bench, they've not got that one player who comes off the bench and will change the game every yeah. single time he comes off the bench. I'm trying I'm trying to think of someone who who, who would spring to mind. Um, um, like um, like Jeco did when he was at City. 
Yes, yeah, very much so, yeah. I, I, I suppose going back to your Man United 99 reference, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer so, so, yeah. is yeah. the classic example, isn't it? Um, yeah, I suppose so, yeah. Um, you know, that, that, that kind of super sub, you know, someone who's going to come on and make it. Don't get me wrong, these players that are coming on are fantastic and, and in any given game could could change the game. But there's never one that you pin your hopes on and go, right, if it's not going very well, you're my guy to come on and change it. So, was this a very flat performance from Brazil then? Because I'm looking at the possession. Yeah. St- they still had 65% of the possession, 21 shots. Yeah, yeah. The match went as, as you would expect. You know, Brazil dominated the ball, you know, lots of shots. Um, but yeah, just very, very flat. Um, and, and, and very frustrating. Set pieces was something I picked up from picked up on with Brazil. They were so poor tonight. Really bad free kicks, corners, just attacking not or defending, first. attacking, attacking. Yeah, attacking. Yeah. So uh, free kicks straight into the wall. You know, not even close. Corners, not even being the first man. Just, just really, really poor distribution. Um, and Anthony was just, you know. Anthony reminded me of Ronaldo in his first few weeks in the uh, Premier League when he joined Man United. Well, all, just, all flicks and tricks and no end product. Absolutely, yeah. Just, you know, shifting it sideways, you know, a little flick here, a little flick there, you know, Cruyff turn, you know, turning on the ball. and But just going nowhere with it, you know, like, it, it yeah. wasn't helping at all. If anything, it was a hindrance. And it was just like, you don't, you know, we all know you are a good player. And when you just get your head down and play football, you are you are a brilliant player. You don't need to do any of that at all. Yeah. Uh, if, it, if I'm a big fan, you know, if it helps, if you pull off a skill move that that helps you move forward or into a better passing position, great, go for it. If you're doing it sort of like on your own halfway line, and it's like there's no reason to be doing it, just just leave it alone. Yeah. Yeah, it's just just ego then, isn't it? Um, yeah, massive. Yeah. But you did at least get one sort of moment of rolled into one of drama for so in the 92nd minute tell talk us through what happens yeah so um very much like south korea cameroon um just stayed just stayed in it stayed in the game lee dixon mentioned it in commentary in commentary after about the hour mark he just said you know cameroon not coming forward but they are they are still in the game they're keeping themselves in the game uh, Cameroon defended really well I thought there, there was some really good performances at the back from Cameroon uh, but like you said 92nd minute again bit of a bit of a breakaway uh, they got it out wide it was a it was a brilliant cross into the box plenty of curl and, 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 and whip on it and um, what's the fella up from Ab- Abuka Abuka that's the one yeah fantastic header looping header but with but with power on it into the top corner, uh, keeper had no chance. Really, really good finish. And then he got a little bit too carried away. Yeah, shirt gets ripped off, thrown to the ground. Referee comes over, heard your second yellow. You go and get yourself an early bath. <laughs> I don't know if I can ever remember that happening. I I, I can't think of. Obviously, we've seen players booked for for taking the, the shirt, but I don't there think must ever be, There must be examples, but yeah. I There's got to be out there. I can't. I can't think of one to hand, and to do it on a World Cup, what a stage to do it on! Unbelievable. It's almost. It's almost like a mic drop of exiting the World Cup, isn't it? It's like <laughs> we're out. We're out. But I'm going out in style. Mic I'm going drop. out on my terms. Yeah, yeah. Good night. God bless. Thanks for watching. <laughs> yeah. Um. So 
I think that really the drama happened over in in the game I was watching. So absolutely, I think you got the uh, the plum draw this evening, didn't you? Yeah. So I was watching Serbia, um, Serbia, Switzerland, mainly because I I'd had a day of watching absolute grudge matches, and this is another one that from I think it's Euro twenty sixteen when it when it all kicked off. But um, oh yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. From the the Swiss Albanian player, um, Albanian heritage players, but um, uh, after all that, Shakiri scores the first goal in sort of the the twentieth minute from a, a Swiss opportunity that runs across the box and the ball falls to him and he um, <coughs> he cu- cuts in on his on his left foot and, and slots it in and then fairly quickly twenty in the twenty sixth minute, Mitrovic equalizes with an absolute towering header it's yeah it's fantastic um uh andros townsend in commentary said that um it was difficult but if it was difficult mitrovic did not make it look difficult tadic puts in this this looping ball from from the left hand side and mitrovic just running across um across the goal uh, around about the just just the near post side of the penalty spot just flicks it towards the back post and it, it seemed absolutely effortless yeah yeah it and showed this... a clip of the it showed a clip of that goal uh, obviously on, on the game that i was watching to keep us up to date and yeah the the, the run that he makes before he even gets his head on the ball is is fantastic like if ever you you know you're teaching someone how to make those runs in, in the box and, and, and to finish with a header like that that's you know you, you show that video every every time yeah, and then um, Serbia have really sort of got their tails up at this point. They're, they're dominating the play. Tadic is finding himself in so much space, and there's um, he's try in the thirty six thirty fifth minute. He tries to to slip a ball through to to Valovic, and um, a Swiss defender sort of manages to kind of intercept. Tries to play a pass, under hits it, and he just gets to. S- Dear this ball into into the net, just sort of rolls it in, and it's 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 shambolic from Switzerland at this point. And you're thinking you've kind of been architects of your own own downfall here. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, just before half time, uh, Switzerland are coming forward in the in the forty fourth minute. This is and. Um, Serbia get caught being very narrow and probably a bit too high in their defensive line. The ball gets shifted out out wide and um across from the right back puts it just puts it across the the um the six yard box and Mbola just just has a, an easy goal. And yeah. a proper sort of centre forwards goal. Yeah. Yeah. Um and at that point they go in um at half time at two two, and the fun little stat in the commentary was that the last World Cup game to have um, to have both teams score two goals in the first half was England versus Argentina in nineteen ninety eight. Wow! Yeah, it feels like that's something that happens more often than you'd think because you have yeah we've we've had a, we've had some high scoring draws or high scoring games in this World Cup. Yeah, so definitely. Yeah, it shows that that. That that whole stat they've talked about in this World Cup about those goals coming out in the second half is not a, a 
a 2022 stat specifically, but seems to happen quite often. Um, yeah. Then Switzerland come out and just play through Serbia really easy. A little chinked ball, a little ball flicked around the corner um, from Vargas. It's a lovely little flick with it, sort of like the side of his foot, almost like a almost a back heel and a half volley from the penalty spot. Switzerland go free to up and then they start doing Switzerland things in terms of Switzerland can be quite boring and very pragmatic yeah. and they kind of just shut this game down. I can't think really in the rest of that game of situations where I thought, yeah, Serbia really had a clear cut chance to, to win that game there. Um, they were pretty good value for it from then on, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I can't. I must admit, when you when you're saying about the Swiss pragmatism, there, it's. I, look, I looked at the fixture and thought, I can see them two just cancelling each other right out. Uh, and how wrong I was. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mainly watched it for the fireworks because that's what I was hoping for. I was hoping yeah. for it all to, to kick off. But so, in that regard, we were left with, um, with Switzerland going through as as runners up behind Brazil, um, level on points after I suppose. After Brazil's defeat, Switzerland have, Switzerland have been. I suppose they'd have probably had to score two more goals because of the head to head, but Brazil, who are everyone's. Like the bookies have them as massive favourites for this World Cup, and I just don't see it. I don't, I don't yeah. know about you. Yeah, well, I mean, at the start of the tournament, I, I, I picked Argentina, and I'm going to bravely stick with them. But you're doing but, that through you're doing that through um, loyalty, not through judgment, though, aren't you? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's nothing <laughs> to do with the football, Sean. It's more stubbornness, definitely yeah. more than anything. But but you looked at the Brazil squad and you went, "That's stacked. That is stacked." Um, but like you say, I've I mean, you know obviously the, the groups are finished now. Aren't they? That's that that was the last round of uh, of group games, and no one's really stuck the flag in the ground and gone, "We are going to win this." You know, we are. Unless you want to count the uh, Americans chanting, obviously, but um, <laughs> no, no, te- no team on the pitch has actually shown me anything to say that they are definitely on a roll to go and win it. No. Okay. Fair. Yeah. Well, I can't, I can't disagree with that because t- even the teams that I would have have down as thinking as the ones I expect to to win this have sort of had opportunities where they've slipped up. So. Yeah. Yeah. Don't we, they're still. There's still teams that you'd say, you know, so for example, you know, take out the two the two losses between Brazil and France. In the first two games, they were the two teams that stood out for me. Um, you know, yeah, while I, I would go with go with France and Spain personally as the teams I think. Spain, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Spain, you've got to throw them in there based on their group game performance as well. Um but yeah, no one's fully, you know, I don't think I don't think anyone's finished with nine points, have they? No. Um, being, that'd be interesting to see if that's ever happened or if it's happened recently where no team's gone three for three in the groups probably probably find out that it happens all the time yeah yeah that's probably one of them where you think oh I bet that's never happened you look back it's like yeah every World Cup there's not yeah. been one team that's done that um, I suppose because the problem you have is like as as we had with France Portugal and Brazil that six points makes has you qualifying yeah and nowadays, in sort of compact football, where you're playing a game every three or four days, teams do take that chance to rest their players. And it seems to be 
I think that maybe the more tactical and precise that modern football has got, that maybe that that chemistry of a first eleven um, gets lost and and the performances really do suffer. Yeah, definitely. I think we've I think like you say we've seen that in these third, the third round of group games where you say teams on six points have, have have rested a big amount of players and like you say you can tell that there's just you know something missing that that lack of confidence in, in playing as a group uh, as a team isn't there it's very fractured um and and they can't really replicate that first 11 cohesion throughout 90 minutes yeah um so as you said that is the end of the group stages but um as much as ali was confused and thought that we had days off we are <laughs> s- straight into the round of 16 tomorrow so the first game we have is netherlands versus usa now the usa are going to bring their chanting it's going to be pr- i think it's like <laughs> a depending where you live in the usa this could be a 7 a.m game so uh, early rises for some people to watch this one yeah um what do you fancy here because holland have not impressed me at all no i agree holland have not been I was thinking about this the other day about Holland. They've kind of flown under the radar a little bit. But I think what we've got to remember is this is the first tournament they've qualified for for, for quite a while uh, yeah. in, in, in their terms. So I'm not saying it's like a Canada where they should just be happy to be here. But, <laughs> you know, it's not it's not quite on that scale. But no. I think it's worth remembering that, you know, a lot of these players will have never played tournament football before. Um, and they're in the half of the draw were a good Holland team you'd fancy to go all the way. I don't think this is a good Holland team, though. No, it's not. No, I was just going to come to that. It's, it, it isn't a good Holland team. It's very... I feel I, like it's quite unbalanced. I get confused as to who I've said what to now because I, I've I've podcasted with, with a few people. I'm not sure if... It, apologies if this was on your own or ever, but I always think... When you think back to any of the Holland teams that I can remember of my my life my footballing memories. Yeah. Holland teams are sort of dripping and attacking flair. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. You've got Robin, you've got Van Persie, you've got Bergkamp, Van Nisselrooy, like... Yeah. Schneider, Wesley Schneider. Schneider, yeah. Um, all sorts. And going back, obviously, even further than that with sort of Van Basten and Cruyff. Yeah. Um, They've got nothing. They do not scare me at all. No, they've got they've got players who have got potential to be one of those Dutch teams that that ooze a bit of class. But I don't think they're anywhere near just yet. Um, I'm really excited by Cody Gakpo. Yeah, Um, he's had a good tournament, and I've seen him firsthand playing against Arsenal in the Europa League this season, Uh, and he looks a player. So they've, they've, you know, but like you say, you know, one player rather than a team featuring Van Persie, Robin, Schneider, you know, Patrick Cliver, Dennis Burke, Count Mark Overmars, you name it. You know, the De Bruyne brothers, if you want to go defensive as well. Yeah, um, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and that, and they're going to play against the USA, who are are a full-on team. They have work ethic they 
Very much so, yeah. They they run, they try, they try incredibly hard, they press really well. Um, you normally think of a Holland team to be technical enough to sort of be able to to play through that, and I do still think that Holland will win this game. But it's only the only real feature I've got giving me any sort of um, praise towards. Holland and them, them winning this game is the fact that um, they have Van Gaal as manager and I'm giving him sort of the credit for having the Nile to get them through tournament football. Absolutely. In, in Van Gaal, you know, they have got a very, very experienced manager. Been there, done it, you know, has been in these situations before, been at the biggest clubs in the world. You know, knows what pressure's all about, kind of thing. Especially games like this, where USA are a giant banana skin. Um, he, he knows how to sort of get through that. Um, I think you're right. I think I think the Dutch team will have just a smidge too much for the USA. And the only thing holding the USA back for me is a is a number nine. I've said it a lot over these podcasts about a number nine. I just think I I struggle to see where the goals will come from for the USA. Yeah, you think it's it's um, it's Pulisic or nothing, right? It kind of feels a little bit like that, and I, I, that might be a tad harsh on a couple of their players who who've impressed me at the tournament. But it's I can see Holland scoring, whereas I can't see America scoring, and that's what ultimately it's going to come down to. So I'm just looking because I was just curious before I said something something wrong. I was just thinking about whether um, about what the pressure is going to be like on the USA here. Yeah. Um, and they have not got beyond the round of sixteen since two thousand and two. Now I'm going to take a guess that none of the players in this squad um, are tw- uh, were playing twenty years ago. That feels pretty safe to me. Um, yeah. So none of these players have experience of. Of um, of making it, of winning a knockout game. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that that's the the next sort of factor I'm going to give on them and say that that pressure is also going to going to get to them. I think. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's a stepping stepping into the unknown for these players, uh, and like we said, the Van Gaal experience eclipses that. So it's another pro con in favour of Holland, um, and then. In the evening, we have got uh, your Argentina against <laughs> against Australia. Now, I've spent a lot of time talking about how rubbish Australia are. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to back down from that. I still think Australia are rubbish. Um, Argentina haven't done anything to uh, to impress anyone. I don't think, but no. You you can warm up. In, you can warm into tournaments, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Just ask Belgium. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I think I think you know. I, I'll I'll be honest. I'm not. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Australia are a good team, but I, I've seen grit, determination, and a lot of heart. They've shown a lot of heart in this World Cup, and uh, that that's what's got them through. Um, as well as Harry Suter being an absolute rock at the back, like some sort of like prime Paolo Maldini, some sort of like weird universe that we've slipped into. 
where Harry Suter's like the best defender at the World Cup. <laughs> but, and you think, yeah. you think that's going to be enough to uh, to hold back Argentina, do you? No, I think I think I think Messi might uh, might just have a little bit more than what Harry Suter can can give. <laughs> but no, yeah, I think I think Australia have done very well to get where they are. Um, I don't see them laying a glove on Argentina. This is going to be um, Lionel Messi's 1,000th senior professional match. Wow. Is he going to mark it with a goal? Uh, yes, I think he will. I think he's... he's... <laughs> wow, sorry. Just to clarify this stat, I just um, this will be his 1,000th game. He has scored 788 goals. Wow. I mean, just... It's numbers. It's just numbers that we're never going to see again. Do you know what I mean? That's, yeah. It's ridiculous, ridiculous numbers, and you know, I think him and Ronaldo get a lot of stick at the moment, given you know, saying like you know, oh, the past the best. They are still past their best and still putting up figures that you know, prime twenty-eight-year-olds would love to have in their career. Yeah, I think the slight difference is that, and I've got this a little bit. I was talking to some other friends when I was watching. Uh, the uh, last Argentina game, I can't remember who they were playing now, um, their last knockout game, uh, their last group game. And I think I might have come to the conclusion now that as much as I love Messi and I've loved Messi for a long, long time, his whole career, he might just be lazy. Yeah, very much so, yeah. I think, I mean... I think he's lazy. I think he somehow managed to trick us into thinking that he's a genius. Not that he's <laughs> not a genius, but I think that we, we attribute his genius to his laziness instead yeah. of being like oh he's lazy we're like no he's just walking around he's just waiting for the space to come to him he's just yeah, as, yeah. he's scanning the game he's assessing where the space is going to be yeah. absolutely like no he, he hasn't he hasn't broken out of a, a walk yes yeah a, a gentle um, a gentle trot he's not even sweaty you, you think about the players that he's played with at Barcelona and it's quite easy to be able to do that because you're going to have... Well, I think Jack... the thing is, that when he was at Barcelona, I don't think he's always been this. I think when he was at Barcelona, he, they didn't put up with this shit. He did run around. He did... He, he Pep, Pep's team didn't press without with 10 men and not Messi. Yeah, but... I think but... that now... And also, I just think that, like, he's what? He's 34, 35? And, yeah. like... He's always played at elite clubs. He's always been sort of well looked after in himself. He's never had major injuries. He doesn't really have an excuse for not having physical output. Yeah, yeah. That's like, very true. It's just... That's why I think it's it's actually just pure laziness and ego. <laughs> and <he's> like, <laughs> I mean, ego that's still writing checks that, that, like you're saying, that most other players at the World Cup can't cash. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, I, I I I do get that, but I think I think like you say, it, it's laziness and then his ego is sort of like I'm not being funny. I've been here, I've done all of this. Do I really need to be running around? Nah, just give it a ball and I'll still dazzle you with it. Kind of like look look at Andrea Perlo. He was a guy who was so good he didn't actually have to run. That man could stand still for full ninety minutes and still be man of the match. <laughs> Fair enough, maybe that's a good point. Um, the thing is, though, that really for Argentina to win the World Cup, they're probably going to need them to do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Three, three, three times? Yeah, yeah. In it, the next four games? Unless someone steps up to support him, it, it, it's gonna, it, he's going to have to play prime Messi 
And out, I, of his, I don't, out of his skin for four games in two weeks. Yeah, and I don't see it happening. He, he, he needs help. But we do see it happening against Australia. Yeah, I think, well, even if it doesn't happen, I still think they've got enough to beat Australia. Yeah. Firmest last well, words. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think that we're going to be here podcasting tomorrow talking about the shocks that we've spoken about in, and perhaps the drama of the last two days, but... We're into knockout football now. Anything can happen. Pressure pressure is a funny thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, thanks, Nathan. That's been great. Yep. Good fun again. Cheers, Paul. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, you can catch all of our uh, activities on our social media, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Man on the Post. Um, apart from that, we'll be back tomorrow to review those two games. But... Um, All that's left to say is always keep your mind on the post. (laughs) 